chapter 58. If you um, are new to the Bible um, and are not familiar with it, we have printed it for you on page 9 of your worship guide, Isaiah 58. If you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to take one of those Bibles in the pew rack home with you. Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own way, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You may be seated. Would you join with me again and ask God's blessing on his word preached? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, come and speak that we might be fed by you on your gospel. Nourish us. For we're weak, encourage us, for we're easily discouraged. Help us because we're helpless in ourselves. Our hope is this. We have built everything on your life and death. And so come with all of your blessings and minister to us. We pray in your name. Amen. I think the promise of Jesus that is probably most apt for our age, every age maybe have a different emphasis, a different word they need to hear from Jesus, but perhaps the, the promise that we most need to hear as a people from him in our age is this, come unto me all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Because we're a tired people. Technology has promised more rest, but we are more exhausted than ever before in any other age of history. America often ranks highest amongst the countries of the world on the number of days worked and lowest on productivity. Microsoft recently, Japan ranks Japan and the United States battle for who's going to work the most number of days a year and go neck and neck and often both rank low on productivity. We are literally working ourselves into exhaustion. Microsoft in Japan recently gave their people the day Friday off. It would limit their people to, you can only work four days a week and they actually saw productivity rise by 40%. We are a desperately tired people the sign of burnout list this way cynicism lack of creativity depression it's almost a checklist for who we are as a culture we either don't know how to get off the treadmill that we're on or we're so addicted to going that we just don't know how to live our lives without the drug of being on the move and so it's new year's we practice a liturgy this time of year, a, a liturgy of new starts. It's this time of year when we enter into the annual ritual of failing to keep our resolutions. I was once told by a gym manager that January is their busiest time 
of the year. No big surprise there. What's surprising is that February is their slowest month. And so I have good news for you if you've set out to keep your New Year's resolutions. The stats are that only 8% of us will keep our New Year's resolutions. You're in good company. People who fail. In fact, January 12th is the day when most of us have failed by. And so I want to give us something different. I want to bring this promise. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want to give us something that I think is attainable for us and yet difficult to get to. And I want to call you to make more rest your New Year's resolution. How about that? I'm going to call you to not do anything. I want to commend to you an ancient rhythm, a rhythm that is built into the fabric of creation, into the order of our world, a rhythm that we ignore at our own peril, and it's this. I want us to join with God in the weekly rhythm of keeping a holy day of rest, a Sabbath, Sabbath literally means rest, to keep a day of rest. Now, before you tune me out, I want to give you a vision for the Sabbath. What I don't want to do is draw lines. I'm not going to create boundaries by giving you a list of rules. That has its place, mostly left to your own conscience. But what I want to give for us is a vision for the weekly rhythm of rest. Dan Allender on his book on the Sabbath says this, that, that the Sabbath, that God giving the Sabbath and, and he's doing is he's inviting us in to delight. This is the promise of, of Isaiah 58, to make the Sabbath your delight and God will pour out his blessings. He's calling us to enter into delight. And he says this, he says, delight doesn't require a journey of thousands miles away to taste the presence of God, it, it does require a separation from the mundane, an intentional choice to enter joy and follow God as he celebrates the glory of his creation and his faithfulness to keep his covenant to redeem captives. Who wants us to want to be part of that? I want us to build on this promise from Isaiah 58 that if we make our Sabbath, the Sabbath, our delight, that God will enter in with his blessings here. Let me read it again. If you turn your foot back from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and that word pleasure probably better translated business. He has in mind commerce, your job whatever you do as a calling in this world, if from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy of the day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. For people who do so good at putting on discouragement and hopelessness and cynicism and depression and despair. The promise to make us ride on the heights of the earth should be refreshing, but it what comes after it as well, and I will feed you for hungry people. 
I will feed you with the delight, the heritage of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is where I want us to go today. I want to cast a vision for the glory and the gift that is the Sabbath by giving us five different metaphors. I'm just going to, I just want to kind of hammer through these to give us five different ways for thinking about the Sabbath. So if you're taking notes, here they are. First, the Sabbath as a command. Second, the Sabbath as storyteller. Third, the Sabbath as a mountain peak. Fourth, the Sabbath as economy. And fifth, the Sabbath as a market. Mark has already alluded to this, brought us into this metaphor of the Sabbath as a market. So first, the Sabbath as a command. First step, I want to say, if we're going to get a vision, I sort of want to take us up a pathway so we can see from a distance just how glorious of a gift the Sabbath is. But the first place I need to take us is that the Sabbath is actually a command. And we were reminded in Romans 7 that the, the law is holy, righteous, and good. And so here in the Sabbath, we have a command from the Lord. It's actually the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It sits there amongst do not murder and you shall have no other gods before me. And how many of us would, would be so bold to say, you know, today I'm going out to break the seventh commandment. I'm going out to have an affair. I'm going out to, to break God's command. I'm going to break into that house and, and steal things that belong to another. And yet, how often do we have on our lips our boasting in our busyness, particularly on the Sabbath? What are your plans today? Well, I'm going to cut my grass, and, and I've got some work to do to get to head of the week. It's, a, it's sort of this bold assertion. I'm so important that I'm busy. I need to catch up. My kids have soccer today, so I won't be at worship. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It is a holy day. In the original creation, God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It is a distinctly different day. Remember that and keep it holy. Of no other day is this said. In fact, until the tabernacle was given to Israel after the exodus, for the first part of their history, they had no holy place to go to. But what they did have was a holy day, what one rabbi calls a tabernacle in time, a temple in a day set a part, a cathedral in time, a holy day. There are two tables to God's law. God has structured his law this way. Love for God, love for neighbor. The first three commandments are specifically directed towards love for God. The last commandments are specifically directed for love for neighbor. And right there in the middle is this bridge that connects them together. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, which takes us to our second point, that the Sabbath is a storyteller. It tells us a story, the story of creation, fall, new creation, that God is taking history to a climactic 
point. You see, the pattern of creation was God worked six days and rested on the seventh. Thus the heavens and earth were finished. This is Genesis 2, 1. And all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. And he rested on the Sabbath day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from the work that he had done in creation. Now, it's easy to read this through an American lens. And I've done this my, I think my entire life. He just wore himself out those first six days. And now he's got to rest. Because that's what we do. I mean, the point of the Sabbath is just so we can go. If we're going to take a rest, the point of our vacation is just so we can get back to the rushed chaos of our lives. But he had no body. Why did he have to rest? And why on the seventh day? Why not take a break on Wednesday? Why work six days and then rest on the Sabbath? Because God was setting in place his story. Adam, here's what you are to do. I've, I've made a pattern. I've, I've modeled a pattern for you because we are going somewhere together. Work six days and then enter your rest because that's the rhythm of history. You are going to do your work of building my kingdom and then it will come to an end and then we will enjoy together new heavens and new earth everything will be at rest in a place of perfection and beauty no more work to be done a new day is coming and my kingdom will be complete well adam failed And God cursed the world, but he didn't remove the Sabbath because he was still going to play out this story in history. We're moving together. That's why the Christian Sabbath is the eighth day, the first day of the week, the day Jesus was raised from the dead because when he went into the grave bearing the curse for sin that was not the end of the story he was raised from the dead and entered into his reign and he's coming again and so the sabbath for the church is now the eighth day of the week because we've entered we belong to god's kingdom he has begun the rest when jesus came he came announcing the kingdom of god is at hand here and now he's seated reigning for all time this is what paul says in colossians 3 and you with him and so the sabbath tells us this story it tells us the story that we live in a world where a plot line is playing itself out and there is an end in sight jesus in his resurrection has begun the end and he will come again and when we stop from our work We're being reminded, I belong to the kingdom of Jesus. He has earned my rest. The law no longer demands obey and be saved. Now, God says, I've clothed you with the righteousness of my son. I've done the work you could not do. And when we stop from rest and rest on the Sabbath day, we are being reminded that we live in this reality. This is our story, which takes us to our third point 
that the Sabbath is a mountain peak. Because if we live in this way, in light of this story, creation, fall, new creation, then the Sabbath really serves as a mountain peak. Imagine yourself on a long hike. You're deep into the woods. You've lost your way. You're disoriented. You can't, you don't know where you've come from. You don't know where you're going. So what do you do? You climb out of the trees up to the mountains so you can get perspective. You can see where you've come from, but also where you need to go. And the Sabbath is that. The Sabbath acts as a way to remind us to look back at the garden rest that we were made for. We weren't, that remind us that we live on the other side of sin entering into the world, that this world was made good, wrecked by sin. We look back, we look, I was made for that, I have longings for that. It reminds us, and when we stop and we rest, it reminds us I'm made for something better than the chaos and disorder that is wrecking my life and causing me anxiety and depression. And it's, it's twin depression. I have longings. It reminds us when we stop and rest, it reminds us this is what we are made for, to rest in the presence of the Lord. But we can't go back to that time and place. And so we have pain and longings that are real. C.S. Lewis has got this great quote on nostalgia. And he says, look, this is what happens when you, you long, you nostalgic, you know, we all remember things better than they actually were. And C.S. Lewis says this, he says, Those, what happens when we do that, it betrays these longings, for they are not the thing themselves. When we lo- these longings are only the scent of a flower that we've not found, the echo of a tune that we have not heard, news from a country that we've never visited. These longings are built into us because we are remembering creation lost. And the Sabbath does that. I'm made for rest. I'm longing for rest because I'm made for rest. But it also gives us a vision for what, where we're going. This is not, it's not, the story is not creation fall. It's creation fall, new creation in Jesus Christ. And we can't go back to those places. It's been lost. But we are going forward to a new place in the new heavens and new earth where there will be no more war and the, the swords will be beaten into plowshares and there will be no more tears or sorrow or death. And you see, when God gives the Ten Commandments, He gives them in two different places. One in Exodus chapter 20 and again in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And they are largely similar except for the reasoning attached to the fourth commandment, the Sabbath day. You see, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, the reasoning goes like this. In six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You were made for rest. You lost rest. You now live in a sin-cursed world where our best efforts produce nothing but thorns and thistles and our soul pains for a longing to return to rest. But that's not the end of the story. Deuteronomy chapter 5. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you 
to keep the Sabbath day. You look back, look forward. You were made for rest, and God in his grace and Christ is taking you to rest. And so rest on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath should be our delight because as one author says, it is a feast day that causes us to remember our leisure in Eden and anticipate our play in the new heavens and new earth with family, friends, and strangers, all for the sake of the glory of God. So we're going to live in light of those realities by setting aside an entire... This is what's true of us. So we're going to set out an entire day to rest and remember what God has done for us in Christ. And therefore... Then next, the Sabbath is an economy. An economy is a system for distributing resources. So Marxism is an economy that's, that the state owns the resources and then distributes them. Capitalism is a decentralized economy. The market determines how and to whom resources are to be distributed. Well, God has an economy too. But we tend to think that the economy works like this. I work really hard, and then I earn my rest. I deserve a vacation. I deserve a night of binging on Netflix because I've had a really hard day. If I work really hard for the Lord, then maybe he'll be kind and bless me. And that is not the economy of grace. And so in... Exodus 31, listen to what God says. This is, this is him saying to Israel, Above all, you are to keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. And that word for sanctify is just loaded with meaning. It's his, it's his way of saying, I, the Lord, I, 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 I'm, I'm taking you to be my own. I'm devoting you to myself. I, am the Lord, will be the one who saves you. You are distinct from all the nations of the earth because I am pouring out my favor on you. And built into the rhythm of the world is a sign that God is generous and gracious to his people. The gospel says to us, God will do for us in Christ what we could never do for ourselves. That's why we sing a song like, Upon a Life I Did Not Live. I'm building everything on that because God is gracious and generous. And what he's given to us in the Sabbath is a day when we cease from our labors and rest. You can imagine how radical this was for an Israelite who had been slaves in Egypt to hear these words, six days you shall do your work, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. What? We only have to work six days and then we get an entire day of rest? Pharaoh was using us to build his empire. He was on our backs, on our labor, was building a kingdom for himself. And God is saying to his people, I will build my kingdom so you can take an entire day off. Rest. It's a sign to you that I, the Lord, am gracious and generous. I will sanctify you. I will make you my people. I will build my kingdom. I will just rest. 
And so ultimately the Sabbath serves as a sign that the Lord gives his people rest in this broken world and will eventually give us rest from this broken world. And that is on the back of the Lord, not on ours. And it continues. See, when Israel was backed up against the Red Sea, they are a little bit freaked out because God had brought them out of slavery, but Egypt's massive army is chasing them down through the desert. And they've got the army of Egypt on one side looking to destroy them in the Red Sea on another side, and they are freaked out. And so this is what God says. Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. To be able to sit for a day in that reality just has a way of deconstructing our hearts in a really healthy way of untangling the busyness and taking us out of the story that tells us this lie. Make someone for yourself. Build a reputation for yourself. Earn your own money. Take care of yourself because nobody else will to stop for a day to remember as a sign from the Lord. Not only do I build my kingdom, just be quiet for a day. For I, the Lord, will fight for you. Which takes us to the Sabbath as a market, our last one. Because this is why we need the Sabbath as a market. Calvin said about the Sabbath that that it is a day when the Lord tells us to rest so that he can work in us. The Sabbath is is also the day that the Lord distributes his grace to his people to the greatest degree. Our fathers, Mark alluded to this in our call to worship, our fathers in the faith called it the market day of the soul because the day before, a long time ago, there was no supermarkets. I know, imagine that day. Imagine the day that Walmart didn't do your shopping for you and just put it in your trunk. Isn't that just a sweet picture of the gospel? They do all the work, just put it in your trunk and you drive off. Well, before Walmart did that kind of work for you, you had to go to the market day. One day a week, uh, all the farmers would bring their wares into the town center and you would go do your shopping for the, you would take the afternoon off from work and you would go and there would be a great feast at the end. You would get your produce and your eggs and your meat that day and then celebrate that night. And so they said, that's what the Sabbath is like. It's like the market day for the soul. When we stop and God comes and he feeds us, he comes down from heaven and speaks to his people from his word in this economy and the market day of the soul and You could read your Bible by yourself all week long and not tend to corporate worship and you will begin to shrivel up as a Christian. But you could be here and not read your Bible all week and still continue to grow because this is where God comes and he's with his people. I don't know if you experience this. Almost every Sunday I experience this. Saturday rolls around, I'm weary. And not just weary from a long week. I am soul level weary because this fallen world has worn me down. 
And my own struggle with sin has worn me out. And then I show up on Sunday morning. And God arrives. And you arrive. And we sing together. And we hear his word read together. And Jesus preaches his word to us. And by the end, I feel like a weary traveler who has hit an oasis and is refreshed and ready to go back to the week. And you hear this in Isaiah 58, this very promise. When the Sabbath becomes your delight, I will make you ride on the heights of the earth and I will feed you. So let me give us five very practical things going forward. These are going to be quick, two-sentence things, so hang in there. Some practical advice. This is advice. These aren't laws to live by. Your conscience has to begin to apply this in your own life. So one, start by stopping. Just start by stopping. Try to abstain from what you normally do on other days of the week because this is a holy day. I don't golf on Sundays. I should probably quit golfing the rest of the week too. I'm not good at it. It's not good to me. We should break up. But there are certain things we won't do on Sundays. Maybe you shouldn't put your kids in sports on Sundays. My kids don't do their chores on, on Sundays. We have set it aside. We had just attempt. What does it look like for to treat this as a holy day? What are we not doing today so we can rest? Secondly, quit working. It's a holy day. The word translated, as I said before, pleasure in Isaiah 58, 13 is probably better translated as business, so stop working. Students, that means don't do your schoolwork on Sunday. That is your career, your calling in life, Rest from that on Sunday. It's not a day to catch up on homework or yard work or chores. It's not a day that God has set aside so you can get ahead for the week. It is a day of rest. Third, rest in Christ. It's a day for our greatest rest in worship, so make worship the utmost priority. That means that nothing, nothing is more important than corporate worship. So as the writer of Hebrews reminds us, don't make it your practice to neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day draw near and prepare yourself for this rest. Also, so we can rest in Christ, fourth, read and pray for part of the day. I mean, how many of us have say, if I only had more time, I'd be able to do my spiritual disciplines. Well, I have good news for you. Maybe it's bad news because it takes the excuse away. There's an entire day that God has given you for this, to set this aside. A gift, a cathedral in time to spend time, unhurried time with the Lord. Don't, you don't, and don't think that you have to spend the entire day doing that. Just more of the day and a little bit more of the day so you can rest in Christ. And then fifth, relax. 
we need more of this. We need more rest. We can't maintain our pace by a week or two of vacations every year and think that that's going to be enough. Relax. Take a nap. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy your spouse. Go for a walk in the woods. Just relax. Away from the hurriedness of life. Because these Sabbaths are built in. We are made for this rhythm. Designed for this rhythm. And so there you have it. Here's your New Year's charge. Remember the Sabbath day. And keep it holy. Let's pray. Lord, if you would give us the grace to rest and to rest in Christ. If you give us the grace to make the Sabbath our delight, then the promise that you have attached to it is then you will delight in the Lord. And as our Father Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And our hearts are hungry for delight and you are the only source of true delight that will cause our restless hearts to settle down. And so, O Lord, draw us into this rhythm that we might glory in the gift that is the Sabbath. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.